I'm Ariel Kroon. And I'm Christina De La Rocha. Welcome to Season 3 of Solarpunk Presence. The podcast introducing you to the people working today to create a future we'd like to live in. Because if Solarpunk as a genre of fiction dreams about the just and sustainable world we'd like to live in in the future, Solarpunk as a movement rolls up its sleeves and gets down to the business of bringing it about in the present. Welcome to Solarpunk Presence Season 3, Episode 9, our penultimate episode of our third season. Today, I am talking with Brianna Castagnozzi of Solarpunk Magazine. Hopefully, I didn't just slaughter her last name there. Um, of Solarpunk Magazine. She's the co-editor-in-chief and handles a lot of their art. And so we'll be talking about Solarpunk, art, and AI. But before we continue, Ariel would like to break in to say... We're a two-person operation, and we need your support to keep making Solarpunk content. If you like what we do, please consider supporting the podcast over at our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash solarpunkpresence. There are a few different tiers for subscribers who get early access to episodes as well as bonus content written by myself and Christina. Consider rating and reviewing us as well and sharing this episode with your friends and people who might be interested in the podcast. Thank you for supporting the solar punk community. Now, on to the episode. Welcome, Brie. Thank you for talking to me today about solar punk art. Yeah, it's so great to be here, Christina. I'm really glad to be talking with you. Let's start our discussion with the most basic of basics. How do you personally define solar punk art? Is it more of a matter of aesthetics or the subject matter? Yeah, so for me, solar punk art, broadly speaking, interacts in some way with ecology, community, and technology. Um, it's pretty difficult to nail down um, the exact parameters, and I, I, I'd argue that it's more so difficult than even fiction, nailing down what solar punk art is versus solar punk fiction. I'd say most visual artistic depictions that I find successful center human beings. The aesthetic to me is kind of impossible to nab as well because it's it's such a global um, artistic movement and subgenre at this point. Um, foundationally, most people would probably say, think go green, buildings with a lot of greenery and solar punk art. But um, you know, for people living in the desert, that's pretty exclusive. Um, so solar punk art aesthetically is moving away from this sort of foundational like tall white buildings with greenery to in- be more inclusive of um, architecture, landscapes, and people that represent locality. I know you do a lot of illustrations for Solar Punk magazine. So what are your favorite types of solar punk scenes to depict? Or, or do you mainly aim for something complementary to the story you're creating an image to accompany? Yeah, for the magazine, I try to stick with something that gives me like an object I can sketch, line, and color within a few hours. Um, So usually I pick something that has like a concrete image, like a specific plant I can reference on Google, um, or something more abstract, like a robot that I can kind of just, you know, uh, use my imagination for. Um, I'd say most of the, the magazine art that I make isn't really solar punk outside of the context of the work that it's paired with. Um, But outside of the magazine, I really love landscape scenes with like characters in the foreground. I currently don't actually have like a huge portfolio of uh, that type of art, 
but um, I'd like to have at least uh, a couple more fully rendered, colorful uh, landscape plus characters, um, portrait style illustrations uh, added to my portfolio by the end of the year. Can we pry? What 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 will what will you do with this portfolio? I guess look for more commissions or yeah what's... yeah basically in that vein yeah I'm trying to broaden my horizons as an artist make an online portfolio website an art station account look for work that way and kind of just also use a portfolio that's mainly solar punk art to just spread more awareness about that type of art so is there a lot of solar punk art um, and a lot of solar park artists out there um, and, you know, has solar punk art been around long enough to include works of, of, say, performance art or sculpture, or is it mainly just pictures? And, you know, and pictures really mainly produced on computers. And this, and by this, I mean produced by people drawing on computers using something like Adobe Illustrator or, or whatever. I, I, we can get to the AI issue later. Yeah, I'd say there's there's a growing number of artists who are now labeling their art as solar punk. I'd say, yeah, a lot of the solar punk art that's out there is currently digitally illustrated, um, though that's not unique to the solar punk subgenre by any means. As for artists that I, uh, you know, or art collectives that I'm really interested in and I think reflect solar punk ideals um, and inspire me anyway as an artist, Commando Yukonsil, that's a collective of solar punk artists uh, and storytellers. They aim to use art and narratives um, and speculative design to kind of inspire others um, to help achieve like social cohesion and uh, sustainability. So um, it's like a group of artists. I think they're based in the UK and Italy at the moment. Really cool stuff that they're producing. And then there is on the more uh, physical and conceptual side of things is the Land Art Generator Initiative. Um, they're kind of combining the conceptual with architecture and sculpture and culture and energy generation. So think like these huge kind of like objects that generate energy, but also transform and blend in with the land around them. It's kind of like, it's almost unfathomable for me. Like if you go to their website, Land Art Generator, um, their website, they have all these these concepts and these contests and these grants and these cool things going on to do with those large scale art forms. Um, in terms of like the foundational art that I was, I had just said something um, towards the beginning of our talk about like white buildings with um, greenery scaling the sides. Um, so uh, Vincent Calbo, he's a um, futuristic ecology minded architectural designer, uh, kind of world famous. I think most people who are into solar punk have seen um, his designs. He's a Belgian artist. They're beautiful, sustainable designs. Uh, I think it's safe to say that much of solar punk's architecture, um, speculative architecture currently is like hugely influenced by his work, um, which is wonderful, even as a lot of solar punk architecture turns back the clock um, to look at city designs of yesteryear made with and shaped by locally obtained materials, kind of what I was talking about before with those, you know, solar punk looks very different depending on where you're from. There's kind of an emphasis within the architecture itself. And, and I, I'm emphasizing architecture because I think a lot of solar punk art, foundationally speaking, is is so in, like intertwined with buildings and greenery and, and that's, that type of stuff. Um, so that's why I'm like kind of emphasizing the architecture. But yeah, yeah, Vincent Calbo is... Um, 
um, work is is uh, world renowned and definitely foundational for for solar punk aesthetic, even as it kind of moves away from that or makes room for other interpretations of solar punk art. Oh, I know this is really interesting because you can understand, you can immediately understand why why solar punk art might have fixated on landscapes, the urban landscape and the architecture is is really tackling reimagining how we're going to live. That's kind of the foundation of that, right? Mm-hmm. You have to yeah. have space that people inhabit. And then that Absolutely. totally changes the way they live. I was just sitting here thinking oh, about what you said about Commando uh, Jugendstil and how they want to depict social cohesion. I was really trying to imagine, how do you get social cohesion across in art? But then, yeah, if you reimagine the spaces that people live in, how you design those is, is so important for how people relate to each other and interact with each other. So that's actually, that's yeah, sorry. I'm just kind of yattering on here. I was just very struck by that and wanted to say that. So, yeah, so as for uh, movies, I would say Strange World is pretty solar punk. Um, it has queer rep, several characters of color. Slight spoiler alert. I will give a spoiler alert so anybody listening can dim the volume. The characters realize that they're seemingly perfect method of generating energy is actually harming the environment and they very quickly work together to to overcome that and change their energy methods i feel like that's quite solar punk oh i have to see i haven't seen this movie i will have to check it out so i was going to ask you if there's a good place a good place for people to go in real life or online to see solar punk art but you gave us such a, a nice set of examples of solar punk art um so maybe i'll just ask you is there a good place for people to go to see your art yeah, sure. So uh, for my art, so my Tumblr and Twitter are both Moss Hawk Arts, one word. And my YouTube and Instagram are the same, except there's an underscore between Hawk and Arts. Okay, we'll, we'll put that in the in the show description. Excellent. So, and you guys should check it out because Bree makes some cool stuff. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about, you know, when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk to you about, I started to think about book covers. And how central illustrated covers have been to science fiction and fantasy in particular, like so maybe more than any other genre of fiction that I can think of. Um, Since obviously for science fiction and fantasy, you have to depict things that haven't happened or don't exist. You know, until recently, that mostly meant drawing them. And then I thought back to how when I was a a tween and then a, a teenager, reading my first real science fiction and fantasy, um, the gateway authors of the time like Anne McCaffrey or Andre Norton, John Christopher, and I'm embarrassed to say it, Piers Anthony. These illustrated covers gave you such a concrete idea of the world inside the book. So, I mean, I think anyone who has seen one of these classic covers of an Anne McCaffrey book knows exactly what a dragon and the dragon writers in Pern look like. I mean, it's, it's totally seared into your brain. Um, And so then I started thinking about this in terms of solar punk and the power of solar punk art or the potential power of solar punk art in some ways, even more so than solar punk fiction to get us to concretely see the future that we could build. Although I find, okay, maybe I haven't seen enough solar punk art, but I find it tends to be on the kinder, gentler side um, and tends to show people simply kind of existing in these solar punk cityscapes or solar punk landscapes And I find it sort of lacking in action and drama and emotion. So I don't know if solar punk art has it in itself to be searing, but maybe I'm just a horrible person and haven't 
and <laughs> I'm very grumpy. <laughs> so maybe you could say something about this. Yeah, you know, I I agree with that evaluation. Um, I think that a, a lot of the art that we would call solar punk now, the visual art, the illustrations, it's largely turning towards a centering of people within settings that one might reliably call solar punk based on like re repeated motifs, like solar panels, water collection gear, permaculture gardens, and then some of the more sci-fi uh, tech as well, like robotic companions or streets that generate electricity from like foot traffic. Um, and then people just kind of like plopped into those spaces existing, as you said, within those cityscapes, landscapes, interacting with their environments. Yeah, I would definitely I agree that I, I see a lot of that. So it's funny because it's it's almost a paradox because here you have this movement that ultimately is about making life better for people. A solar punk landscape or a solar punk cityscape, it has to have people in it or it just isn't really solar punk because the city or uh, people are a key feature. Mm -hmm. And yet, oddly enough, we're not where the solar punk art is still at the point where it's exploring the cityscape or the buildings or the landscape and not so much the people. Mm -hmm. So do you think that's kind of the next step maybe in the evolution of solar punk art is to really show people living in these landscapes, not just kind of strolling through them? Yeah, I, I, I would agree. The next step <laughs> um, is for a more dynamic composition when, you know, people are practicing these solar punk architectures and they're doing great you know people are our artists are are incorporating um you know different visual elements based on the logical needs of like localities and yeah and i think uh, as as the art the artistic movement continues to develop this realization or this appreciation that there needs to be life like human life and culture actually inhabiting these really beautiful and sustainable spaces uh, is going to to take center stage yeah, it's a little bit tricky because I imagine, you know, the artists who are really fascinated by the, uh, not the aesthetics, but the the architectural aspects, maybe not the same people who are fascinated by the psychological aspects or, yeah, I don't know. I'm not an artist, so um, I actually have never really thought about that before. When you go to create a picture, you know, what is it that you're exploring as an artist and what is it that fascinates you or what is it that's kind of grabbed you by the coattails and said, you know, me <laughs> so I, I don't know you know how do you do you just sit down and think oh today I'd like to draw a picture about this or or you know where does it come from or maybe that's not a fair question to ask no I think that I think that is a, a fair question that you'll probably get as many answers to as you as you ask artists <laughs> for me personally um yeah sometimes it really does just boil down to like this is I want to draw this today for example, I'm I'm working on a solar punk piece uh, illustration right now. It's one of those like big, complicated landscapey ones with all the different colors. Um, it's taken forever to fully render, and um, I knew from the beginning I'm like this is going to be a blend of uh, Filipino mythology and solar punk futurism. So I'm going to have this huge sea dragon called Bakunawa, as a Visayan mythological dragon, you know, that presides over the oceans and earthquakes and eclipses and I, I was like I want to have this dragon like essentially visiting this like solar punk coastal village so in my mind I was like I'm absolutely gonna have this cool dragon that I'm basically going to interpret as a Filipino myself looking at, you know, and looking at um, a more tr more traditional 
um, depictions of it in like wooden masks and stuff. And then in the foreground, I'm, I'm going to have my, you know, solar panels and the rain collection barrels. And that was my process. I was like, I'm going to have all these things rather than, and I, I you know, planning it out was, was, uh, was such a task because I'm not, um, I need more practice with like perspective and stuff. And once you start to cram all these things in, you really got to lock down your perspective. <laughs> Otherwise it's going to look flat. So yeah. Yeah. To answer your question. Yes. That's really cool. I'm trying I'm trying to imagine this picture now. I mean, there's plenty of room for drama as soon as you add a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> so um how yeah, just like how would solar punks respond to a dragon? Or perhaps it's more of a metaphorical thing than that. How did you start drawing? Would you, would you just draw on all the time since you were a kid? Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, as as long as I can remember, I've been drawing. And it's usually been dragons. So here I am coming full circle. <laughs> okay, excellent. And uh, when did you make the transition from, say, like pencil and paper or, or pen and ink or whatever to, to drawing on the computer? That is a good question. I think when I was around probably 12, um, okay. I, I got my first, um, I got a, a Wacom Intuos Pro for Christmas. And that was my first foray into digital art. And um, I don't I have, even know what yeah. that is. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a tablet. It doesn't have a screen. I mean, it's an excellent product, um, but it, it's like just like a, um, like a plasticky interface that that you just draw on, and you have to connect it to a monitor and look at the monitor to see the drawing appear. Oh, really okay. Oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun, actually. Someday I'll try something like this. But, <laughs> but yeah, since I'm not an artist, I've never done it. But I like taking photographs. Uh, mm -hmm. Like everyone, like everyone takes photographs these days. And so I recently set up an Instagram account for, for the podcast. And you know, what has really struck me in the very short time I've been on there is that there are a lot of accounts on Instagram showcasing solar punk and I'll say quote unquote art made using AI. And I have to admit that twists my thoughts about solar punk into <laughs> a knot. Oh, uh, so as a solar punk who draws her own works, and reviews the art submitted to Solar Punk magazine. Uh, what do you think about Solar Punk art and AI? Yeah, I think they're incompatible. AI that's trained on data sets for which there's no compensation um, given to the artist whose works have been appropriated in those sets is just like not Solar Punk to me. It's very the opposite of that. It seems very corporate and capitalist to steal work and try to profit um, off of it by some kind of you know marginal transformation or or you know reimagining or some some amalgamation using a, a digital program there's no shortage of visual labor of visual art art is labor and self-expression if one wants art one either pays someone else to make it or they make it themselves um, i can't really fathom a person wanting to live in a future where the machines are making all the art and the humans are toiling away um, and right now we're witnessing artists and writers skipped over in favor of cheap AI generated material. And every time it happens, I feel we allow the dollar to dictate what visual or written media has value. Of course, niche situations exist for a lot of absolutes. I, um, I, as you can tell, I feel pretty strongly <laughs> about AI art, uh, AI, AI generated images within the solar punk space. However, now if somebody wants to be brave and like pitch me a story where a disabled artist uses AI as an ethical accessibility tool, I'll certainly listen. 
you know, in the realm of fiction and exploration like that. But in terms of actual as AI is being used right now to generate images, uh, I don't feel it's compatible with solar punk. It is a little tricky. So I see the, yeah, someone who can't draw her way out of a paper bag. I see the allure of being able to feel like you're creating art, even though you're just feeding in the words. I haven't really tried it myself, Um, but I could see that it could be a lot of fun. And I see that there are a lot of people on there trying to put, you know, ethnic characters into these situations and, you know, allowing us to visualize these things. And I don't know if these people behind the accounts could draw them if they wanted to. I have no idea. Um, So I imagine there, yeah, there's some gray areas. I don't know if these people are trying to make money or if they're just, this is their way of being creative. As I said, it twists my thoughts into a knot. So, but so I take it the magazine doesn't accept any AI generated art. Oh yeah, absolutely not. (laughs) How do you identify it? Um, so, you know, the, the AI art as it's being produced now, um, the technology is constantly improving, you know, just a few months ago, the images that, you know, stable diffusion methods were producing look very different from what they're producing right now. There are still some key areas to look for. If you have an eye for it, if you kind of just like trained yourself over, you don't have to be an artist necessarily to, to spot these things. Like, for example, a lot of times when um, people ask AI to generate a portrait, it will usually kind of default to this um, like semi-realistic, exaggerated, large eyes, small nose, uh, fuller lips type art style. Probably because the the internet is so populated with those types of art styles, they're very mm-hmm. popular right now. Nothing against those at all. I, I also you know tend to I would describe some of my art like that as well. Um, but then when you you look closer, you see things like that don't make sense that a human would not make that choice. For example, like a piece of their hair is like bleeding into the eyebrow, creating one seamless like hair piece. Or there will be shadows on the face of that portrait that don't match up with the type of hair that they have. So for example, a character will be generated having sleek long hair, and then the shadows suggest that they have spiky anime style hair. Choices that that wouldn't be made by an artist of that particular level, probably. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, because you know, you see, um, from time to time, someone has submitted a photo, a quote unquote, a photograph or a piece of art to a contest, and they haven't told anyone that it was made by AI and it wins the contest but you know but then you look at it and you think okay I'm not an artist but I can totally see that's not real so how did it get past the panel of judges do you you must also kind of wonder that yeah well, uh, I haven't seen too much of that happening thankfully maybe I'm not in, in those circles on Twitter maybe, at the or, moment but... maybe you don't waste enough of your life reading online news so. no that's that is a very good way to educate yourself, I must say. I think I should be reading more about the intersection of like the art industry and AI, honestly. But yeah, it, it would be disappointing. I know um, Clark's World recently had a, um, a slight debacle where um, the the art, if I'm remembering correctly, don't quote me, the art was purchased with, uh, you know, Clark's World believing that it was art, not AI material, as is stated in their in their contract. They don't accept that. And then sharp-eyed individuals said things like, you know, there are choices in this piece that don't make sense. This is AI generated. And then immediately, you know, like Neil Clark investigated it and did the right thing and looked into that that uh, cover art issue. 
absolutely the art gets passed. Um, sharp, sharp-eyed, sharp-minded individuals. It's kind of a community effort to identify, you know, these pieces and say like this doesn't belong here, as stated by these contracts and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess it's tricky because yeah, well, especially because of the copyright issue, because. Mm-hmm. At least the U.S. white, right, they came out and said, you can't copyright this stuff because it wasn't made by a person. But then it gets tricky because then what if you generate stuff as an artist using AI and then put it all together? I mean, how much do you have to change something in order for it to suddenly count as being created by a human being? I think the courts will have to iron these issues out. Oh, yeah. In the future. Yeah, that that is a great question. That's that's something that's presiding over the discourse right now currently is 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 how, you know, um how much change does a piece or 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 a data set um have to go through before it's it's a different piece. Yeah, and legally that's that's something that is legally not in my ballpark. <laughs> well, I don't know the laws currently, but it's also not necessarily a new issue. I mean, like a lot of pop art has borrowed things and assembled things. and um, Oh, yeah. And I mean, in some ways, these arguments are, are old, you know? I mean, you know, when people first started taking photographs, this they must have also gone through something similar to this, you know? Um, can you really still call it art? And it's going to take all the jobs away from the painters. And, and so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this evolves. This whole yeah, AI yeah. thing. Oh, it's so crazy. It just kind of like felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah, I agree. For everybody was talking about NFTs and then most most people in the solar punk sphere were like, that's silly and never going to happen. And then boom, it was like AI exploded after that. Yeah, a- NFTs, do people still buy them? I don't, I don't know. I know they like depreciated or or like at least like the cryptocurrencies, I know like, you know, some of them have depreciated grossly over the past year um so i don't know ah yeah you blink and you've missed it um (laughs) but yeah so i i see from twitter that uh clark's world has has been having huge problems with ai not not just for the art but also with uh with stories and that they've been just completely swamped um are you guys also having that problem um, n- not to that extent, thankfully. Um, yeah, I, you know, I've been following that pretty closely. I feel like um, Clark's role is kind of pioneering that, that new field of being bombarded with like these so-called like get rich quick schemes, which is hilarious because, you know, anybody who submits to speculative fiction zines knows that it's not, it's, it's a game of patience. <laughs> And, yeah. uh, right. Um, but thankfully, Solar Punk magazine hasn't had a, you know, an influx of these submissions. We've had a few. Um, we talk internally about how to better identify them and then, you know, quickly, you know, expunge them from our, our queue and not well, so, have those. So I, I have I have I have not played with like any of this chat GPT or I've really never read any of the output. So how do you identify? So you said there's all these telltale signs. Well, we've all seen the telltale signs on the solar punk, uh, on the AI generated art, but what are the telltale signs for AI generated fiction? That must be much harder. If so, there's what I would call really obvious examples and then less obvious examples that maybe have been altered by, you know, a human author. The really obvious examples tend to be 
um, stories that are submitted and the cover letter is very generic or itself or overly verbose to the point where the cover letter sounds like it was also AI generated. Um, the title will often be in all caps and will be one or two words. Um, additionally, I've seen a lot of academic style titles on short stories. So something like the year 3000 colon green energy saves the day or something like that. <laughs> Right. Okay. Something so, with, with a colon involved, uh, very academic sounding. And then when you read the story, it's not actually a story at all. It sounds much more like a description of a story or a treatment that's about a story, a pitch, like an extended pitch, very few instances of dialogue, almost 100% exposition. And the tone for all of these stories is pretty much identical. Um, they will often start out with, you know, um, clauses that begin with in the year 3000 comma etc they'll often like situated in in a specific year um i've seen a lot of that in um other instances um not not necessarily so much with solar punk mag but um some of those do come in and they're they're quite easy to distinguish the others that are not so easy to distinguish feels like some kind of tampering <laughs> was was involved um where Perhaps a, a a writer whose you know strong point is not dialogue will insert dialogue to make the story seem a bit more convincing, and then the whole the whole writing is just very loose and not self contained. And then even if that particular instance, even if I happen to be wrong, it's you know rejected on the basis of quality at that point. Okay, so this is interesting. What happens? Yeah, what happens if it gets better? Yeah, that is a really good question. What does happen? if it gets better but it's yeah i mean it's hard to know because it's 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 a little bit intangible on -hmm. some level what makes a good story i mean i don't know because if you if you try to if you follow any of the if you you buy any books or look at any websites about how to write a story they do try to break it down into formula and i don't know does that necessarily give you a good story i'm not sure (laughs) but it's still hard to do yeah the ai AI is still not very intelligent, right? It's still just, it's looking for patterns and then spitting back text that that it has associated with the patterns you've asked it to, to yeah. find. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'd say, you know, the AI stories right now, it, they're, they're writing Western style treatments, whereas we're not really in the market for anything like that at all. Um, a lot of the stories that we publish are in vernacular English's um, dialects of English that are outside of the standard academic U.S.-based English, which is what the AI, what they tend to be spitting out. My my fears would would peak when when the AI is asked and or <laughs> commanded to um, mimic vernacular Englishes, like you know um, different dialects of English, local dialects, and if it's able to do something like that, that would be uh, concerning and unethical. Oh, okay. I mean, because, you know, you hear about the people who've, you know, turned out a turned out or whatever, gotten AIs to churn out essays on certain topics written in the voice of Jack Kerouac or whatever. Mm-hmm. So so they're not really that good at doing that yet then. Maybe some of them are, but uh, maybe I don't know if you I wish I knew more about like the specific differences between the the AI, um, the AIs themselves. Maybe that's something you have to pay for. different different author voices is something that that's a a package deal i don't know um i just know the 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 obvious ones are are very obvious and then 
we just keep our eyes open and, and try to, to keep up as best we can um, with the, the new literature and which is mostly anecdotal coming out about AI. So basically other editors on Twitter talking about their findings. Um, we pay attention to those and we talk about our findings as well. Okay. But it's a, it's a weird idea that you could have a machine churning out something that looks a little bit like art, but there's no intention. It has be, it has been created without intention or without any more intention than you could put into however many sentences you type in in order to create something. Or maybe it's recycling the intention of the artists who've contributed, who've unwittingly contributed to the database. I don't know, I have to think about this. Or maybe it doesn't really mean anything. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a very complicated issue. Even, even in my opinion, which is staunchly against AI-generated material, um, I, I uh, admit that it's very complicated and has a lot of nuance. Yeah, but so I guess, as I was saying, art has kind of always had a little bit of this problem. You know, when you think about the master artists who had all of these assistants churning mm -hmm. out pictures in their name. Oh, yeah. You know, on some level, it's kind of the same, isn't it? You've got these people who are following your instructions and they're interpolating your style. And then in the end, you decide whether or not you can put your name on it. Is that different than AI? Doing I, than I would say I would say that's a little closer, you know, not not to downplay any ethical dilemma that comes from that. But I'd say that's a little closer to ghostwriting in a sense where some kind of contractual obligation is mm. involved um, between two humans. So, you know, one human is, is the writer and the other is the author whose name goes on the finished work. Um, but the writer is getting paid based on a contract. So, yeah, but I, I mean, all, all art is derivative, but there's extreme compared with data sets of AI, the, the human ability to observe and replicate and learn from and be inspired from is severely uh, limited. And I don't say that in a negative way, comparing, you know, my, you know, my personal ability to over like a decade, slowly learn and, and improve. And I'm still improving, you know, my artistic technique with my chosen medium, which is, you know, the, the Surface Pro at the moment, versus the AI's ability to generate out of a data set it's it's extremely different types of production of visual material i i feel well i think you know the ai is is working inwards mm -hmm. whereas you know you you're standing on the foundation of all the art that's come before and you can you can push that boundary outwards i mean obviously not all artists do but that possibility is there right and that's that yeah that to me is a huge the huge difference because the yeah. AI doesn't know what it's doing. <laughs> yes, that is very true. <laughs> Again, back to what you said about like lack of intention on the part of the thing that's actually doing the work, which is the AI. Sure, you, you could argue that the person who puts in the prompts have intentions, but um, the AI itself is does not have intention. Oh, well, interesting times. For okay. sure. <laughs> <laughs> so have you ever been tempted to play with just to play around with the AI to see what kind of art you could create with it? Or are you just so against it? You're not, you just not even going to open that Pandora's box. Um, yeah, I, I, I know, no, um, 
drive to even get on any of these websites and like make an account or, or whatever you have to do to access the the actual thing itself. I think when like not even that long ago when like Dolly Mini or whatever was um like doing like photo type generations, I had like played with that with, you know, in such an innocent way, like with my brother, we were trying to generate like who could like generate the best photo of like a baby rabbit or something. Mm-hmm. So innocent <laughs> And and now that that's like the closest I've been to um using the the technology myself. But yeah, I I, I don't uh, I would not condone another artist for testing it out just to to see, especially if you're trying to understand it more. It makes sense to be using it at least in some capacity in order to to have a a personal understanding with the, the thing that you're trying to, I don't know, write about in an article or just better understand for your own purposes. Um, does Just because you've used it once or twice for that purpose doesn't make you like, you know, somebody who's like a advocate for AI. No. Oh, gosh, no. No, sorry. I didn't mean to imply oh, yeah. that. Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't uh, mean you said that. I, I I feared that what I said would be taken that way. No. Like if you ever touch it, then you are bad. No, I think I think we're all curious about things. And this is a huge thing to be curious about. And, to, mm-hmm. you know, everyone wants to know, you know, how does it work? But, you know, exploring it is very different from then setting up an Instagram account and, and churning out images. Right, um, right. You know, or, or you know, just trying to sell this stuff. So, or submitting it to, to magazines and stuff like that. Okay, let me ask you one final question for our listeners out there who are handy dandy with, uh, with, pen or paper or or what is this a surface pro or whatever mm-hmm. um any of this not ai um what kind of art do you like do you do you really like to to see submitted to solar punk magazine what do you what would you like to see in the next what would you like to get in the next year what would be really exciting for you oh we we would just love to have cover type submissions um so that the exact dimensions on i don't, I don't want to misquote Maybe A4. It's on the website. It's on the website. Website, yeah. Uh, But we would love to just get those. um, They don't have to be like, you know, landscapes that I like to do. Just fully rendered, fully uh, colored, human-centered, some technology involved, um, you know, and some kind of environmental aesthetic. Doesn't have to be greenery and such. In fact, we would love to see like a solar punk desert take or a tundra take for, for solar punk. Again, now I say that sometimes I'm biased pushing pushing submitters to do the landscape take. But um, if you look through our, our past covers and see what other people have done, we we are looking for for essentially something human human centered and colorful, and that speaks to some kind of environmental and technological take. And with drama, <laughs> yes, yeah, have to go ahead and be spicy, add some drama. But it's, I mean, it's funny because you know, if you're exploring how wonderful life will be in this wonderful future we could build ourselves, you know, how much do you actually get to explore crisis and drama in, yeah. in solar punk art? I mean, I that's a big, that's a question. I have no idea what the answer is. That yeah, that is a really great question. I feel like fiction definitely lends itself more to uh exploring the uh you know the downers of of solar punk like you know interpersonal conflict all those great things that we need like the conflict part of the story grief death change those types of things uh yeah i feel like you you get more padding out of a, a piece of writing than you do with um visual art for some reason and everybody says like pictures worth a thousand words um but when you're trying to like 
to go for, you know, solar punk, which is still largely in its infancy as an artistic movement. Yeah, I would agree. It's it's hard to inject um, like the dramatic aspects or, you know, the the more dour, the more grim, the the sorrowful aspects. But you could, I guess people could also put in the celebration and mm-hmm. the oh, achievement yeah. and joy and the ecstasy part of it. That's also drama. Yeah. yeah. You can get movement and energy out of positive experiences as well. Yeah. And, I, you know, and I think to myself, like, wow, I'm surprised we don't have more like solar punk, um, you know, visual art with like birds in flight, or, you know, you know, something like mm-hmm. that. Like, that's movement. That's energy. Um, or people running, children running. Right. Oh yeah, that's pure unbridled joy as well. Yeah. Oh well, let's. So there. So if you pick up your pencils, people, and you have your assignment. So okay, thank you very much for talking to me today. I feel like I learned a lot, and I wish you all the best for your art and and your writing because you also write a bit, which mm-hmm. we didn't talk about. Maybe maybe we can talk about that again in the in a future interview. And also, good luck with the magazine. Thank you so much, Christina. Um, I had a really fun time today talking with you about solar punk art. And that's a wrap for the second to last episode of this season. Really looking forward to the final one, which will be coming out shortly, if it isn't out already by the time you're listening to this. Um, and that one will be all about how to change cultural norms, which turns out to be an activity that lies at the heart of the solar punk endeavor. Until then. Thank you for listening to Solar Funk Presents, a podcast hosted and produced by Ariel Kroon and Christina Della Rocha. The audio for this episode was recorded in part on the traditional territory of the neutral Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe peoples, and in Germany. The opening and closing music for this podcast is Water Cooler Gang by Monkey Warhol, available for use under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, join our Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash solarpunkpresence or share the podcast with friends, family, and people you know who might be interested in our guests and what we have to say. We'd also love it if you could write us a nice review on your podcatcher of choice because every review bumps us higher in the algorithm's priority so we can reach more listeners. Until the next episode, keep dreaming and keep up the good work.